And Laura Jackson are away at, in the, in the um, marriage retreat. I see a lot of seats around here that normally would be filled by folks who are away, but we're glad they're there enriching their marriages, and I'm glad that you're here. Would you find, please, in your order of worship, right under the uh, title and the text, there are some bullet points. That's not exactly an outline, but it's things, those are things that I will cover in the next few minutes, and if uh, the idea of meekness is something you want to consider later in the week, then uh, maybe those notes will be of help to you. Uh, This morning I'd like us to do something we haven't done in a while, and that is to be interactive. So uh, here's how this is going to work. I hope it'll work like this. I'm going to, from time to time during the message, you'll have to stay awake because from time to time I'm going to say, meekness is not weakness. And you will respond, I hope, by saying, meekness is power under control. So I will say, meekness is not weakness. You will say, meekness is power under control. Let's try that. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. One more time. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. Beautiful. There's an article that was really popular, made its rounds a couple of weeks ago, and several people sent it to me because they knew that I'm uh, talking about the Beatitudes, these teachings of Jesus. In the article, uh, Russell Moore, who is the, um, the editor of Christianity Today, was interviewed, and he said he's noticed a trend in churches that preachers or pastors are preaching words of Jesus that are being, that are being questioned. So, for example, uh, the one he used was turn the other cheek, which, of course, is one of the teachings of Jesus. But when the, the, the pastors get through with preaching uh, turn the other cheek, some people have, members of the church have approached them saying, where, where did you get that liberal theology? And the pastors are responding, well, those are the words of Jesus, but apparently the new trend is to say, well, those words are weak. They don't work anymore. Part of me uh, wants to laugh at that, and part of me wants to cry about that. And if there ever have been words that would be questioned as maybe weak or don't work anymore, it would be the beatitude that we're studying today. We are on the third week of the beatitudes. We saw blessed are the poor in spirit, and last week, blessed are those who mourn. Today, we look at the, this part of the beatitude, this, this beatitude, this blessing that formed uh, the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Today, we talk about that blessing. Blessed are joy that nothing and no one can take away belongs to Uh, those who are meek. The trouble is that we, I think, don't understand meek. After all, uh, meekness is not weakness. Very good. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said, for they will inherit the earth. And inherit the earth really just means we'll live a really good life. I grew up with my uh, hearing my mom and dad talk about the life of Riley. Ever, anybody ever heard of the life of Riley? I'm not sure if he must have lived a really good life because mom and dad would talk about that. We'd talk about eating high on the hog and we'd talk about being in high cotton. Well, that's kind of like what this means. If you're in high cotton, you're doing really well. So blessed are the meek. Uh, for they will inherit the earth. They will live a really, really good life. 
But for us to understand meek, we've got to go back to the original language. Now, I, I've said before, a lot of times, I am not a Greek scholar, but I've got some really good books, and this is one of those weeks when it's important to know the original language. So, when the, the word that's translated meek is the Greek word praos, P-R-A-O-S, praos. It's one of those bullet points in your, in your uh, worship guide. Praos meant tame. It was the word used for an animal that had been wild and ferocious and terrifying that had been domesticated. So think about a bear that could tear you apart limb by limb, but lies docile at your feet. Imagine that you're, you're reading a book and right next to you is, is a, a pet lion used to be out in the wild and you're stroking the lion's mane as you read, and the lion looks up at you and thinks, you know, I, I could eat him or her if I wanted to, but then chooses not to. Well, that's, that's praos. That is, that is tame. It is having a power that, that we don't use, because remember, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. So meekness then, according to its New Testament origin, is the, is the intentional bridling or harnessing our strength in deference to the needs of somebody else. It is intentionally bridling or harnessing our strength in deference to the needs of somebody else. Let's, before we get too far into this, though, let's remember what meekness is not. Meekness does not mean being a doormat, letting people just walk all over you. Meekness does not mean acting like a nobody, because you're a somebody. Meekness is not me- does not mean acting like a nobody. Meekness does not mean enduring uh, abuse, because you think you're not worth any, any better. Meekness is not being a doormat. It is not acting like a nobody. It is not enduring abuse. Meekness is having power and choosing to harness or to bridle that power. Blessed are those who have the power and bridle or harness it for the, for the sake of another. Three me- images of, of meekness. Meekness is yielding, yielding. James 3.17 says, wisdom from above is willing to yield. Let me see if I can illustrate that. In the neighborhood where we lived in Richmond before we lived here, it's called Rockshire, and, and there's an entrance. I want you to try to imagine that this is the, the main road, and, and right about here would be the entrance to, to the neighborhood, and you're going to be the neighborhood. And, and this right here is the side road. So we're coming off the main road here, and this road goes side to side in the neighborhood. So that's part of the neighborhood right down here. Well, if you come off of the main road, you don't have a stop sign and you don't have a yield sign. You can go right through. You can come in and turn right and turn left. Don't have to stop. Don't have to slow down. However, if you're on that road down here, you've got a yield sign coming this way and a yield sign coming this way. The problem is nobody ever paid attention to the yield signs. It was like the neighborhood all got together and said, don't worry about those yield signs. They're just suggestions. And so, they, nobody, it, it seemed like nobody would yield. So when you're coming in off the main road, you have the authority, you have the power, you have the right of way not to yield. However, the prudent thing would be to yield. 
Otherwise, you could hurt somebody. You could get hurt. You could get killed there, and we would put on your tombstone, he had the right of way, but it wouldn't matter, right? So you might have the authority to assert yourself, even to cause harm. You might have the power to hurt someone, but meekness is yielding. It is recognizing I've got, the, I've got the power to do harm. I may have even justification, at least in my own mind, but I'm going to, to yield for the sake of the greater good, for the sake of the other person, for the sake of relationships. It's coming to a, a crossroads of sorts in a, in, a, in, a, in a conflict and choosing not to exercise power, but to yield. Meekness is yielding. Meekness is is pulling up, pulling up. And let me tell you what I mean. Football season is about to start. I'm so excited. And uh, in, in football, you'll see this year the quarterback, and I, I hesitate to dramatize this, but the quarterback will drop back to pass, and you will see coming, barreling down toward him, a big defensive lineman. And he's got his eyes set, uh, his sights on that on that quarterback. And the quarterback is looking for somebody to pass the, the ball to, and, and he sees someone open, and so he releases the ball. And that lineman is two steps away, and he has a big split-second decision to make. So here comes this big defensive lineman. They, they don't get a lot of glory. The quarterbacks get all the glory, and they date the head cheerleader, and they're always good-looking, the quarterbacks are, right? They're always good-looking. And so the defensive lineman, he's got his sights on him, and he thinks, I'm about to flatten that guy. And then he lets go of the ball, the quarterback does, and the defensive lineman has a big decision to make. He can either flatten him, he has the power, the size, the strength to do that. And sometimes they just can't help themselves. They just <laughs> flatten them, flatten them. And he gets a penalty 15 yards against his team. Sometimes the quarterback gets hurt. But thank goodness most of the time, that big defensive lineman with the power to inflict pain will pull up. He'll say, well, it sure would be nice, but, but for the greater good, he chooses to pull up. That's meekness, that is having the power to inflict harm, but choosing for the greater good not to exercise it, because meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. Meekness is, is, is like the ocean lapping at the feet of a child on the beach. George Matheson said, if you want to see meekness, Let's stand on the beach and see the mighty ocean with silver foam kiss the feet of the little child that plays on the floor on the beach. The ocean, think about it, the ocean with, with the power of a tsunami, the power to level cities. An ocean with, with all those powerful creatures from the great white shark to the killer whale, the ocean with the power to swallow ships and to claim those sailors as her own, the powerful ocean lapping gently at the feet of a mere child there at its edge. Meekness is having power, the power even to do harm.
and choosing not to use it. So, how you doing in the, in the meekness department? In those roles in which you are the one who holds the power? Husbands. Husbands are generally physically larger and physically more powerful than their wives. And in the Christian world, a lot of people have twisted and abused that phrase in Ephesians 5 that says women are to submit to their husbands. And so in some situations, even Christian homes, husbands are being, if not abusive, at least demeaning and dehumanizing to their wives. Husbands, how you doing in the, in the meekness department where you have power and ability to do harm? What about parents? Now, I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about being unhappy at work and coming home and kicking the cat and yelling at the kids. You hold the power if they're still living at home. If you're like me, your kids hold the power. But if you have kids at home, because they can tell you, you they're not going to bring the grandkids to see you. But my, if you have kids at home, you have the power. You got the power of car keys and restrictions. And so how you doing in the meekness? So honestly, are you harsh? Not talking about discipline, which is biblical and appropriate. I'm talking about parents being harsh. And kids growing up with resentment. So how you doing as, as parents? What about supervisors? You hold the power in the, in the office or the factory or wherever you are. You have the power of demotion or promotion. You have the power of raise or not raise. And you have the power of hiring and firing. And some supervisors throw their weight around because it makes them feel big. And so they demean and belittle their direct reports. They have the power. But, but remember... Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. So how are you doing in the, in the meekness department? Blessed are those who have the ability to inflict harm and choose for the greater good not to, not to exercise that ability. We've been talking about meekness in reference to people, but let's talk about meekness in relation to God. This beatitude, remember, does not stand alone. None of them do. They're not like silos in a barnyard that stand separately. They flow one from the other. And we began with poor in spirit. Blessed are those who understand their spiritual poverty. Blessed are those who mourn, who are broken over their sinfulness. Today, blessed are the meek. Next week, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Bill Haslam, I quoted him a few weeks ago, former governor of Tennessee, deeply devoted follower of Jesus. He says, uh, he talks about meekness and leadership. And he says, look at where meek fits in the order of the Beatitudes, poor in spirit, mourn, and over here, next week, blessed are those who... Uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness. And some of us, he said, want the world to be righteous. We want things to be right. We are moral crusaders. We want to speak about all the evil out there in the world. 
But Haslam cautions. Before we get on our sanctimonious high horses and go out there to conquer the evil out there, we would do well to sit humbly and meekly and broken before God over our own sinfulness. Before we get too high and mighty and talk about all the bad things people are doing, Blessed are the poor in spirit and those who mourn. And before we get over here, let's spend some time meek before the Father. Meekness is humility before God. It is recognition that He is God and we are not, and surrendering our wills to His. On April the 14th, 1957, down in Montgomery at the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, a young uh, Martin Luther King preached a sermon about, the, about Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane. And he, and he bore down on that word, nevertheless. Jesus prayed. Remember, he knew, what, he knew the horror of Roman crosses. He knew what was coming. He would bear the weight of all our sin. And so he, he was experiencing some real live trepidation over that. And one of the great mysteries of the Christian faith is that our Savior could have walked away. He stood at a crossroads, and He could have walked away, but He didn't. He prayed, God, if it's Your will, if it could be Your will, let this cup, this experience pass from me. But nevertheless, He said, not my will, but Yours be done. Nevertheless, nevertheless, He said, and King called it the central test of an individual's life, how one moves from let this cup pass from me to nevertheless. You see, God has given us the power of free will. That's a dangerous power. It is the dangerous power uh, to make a choice between right and wrong, between good for people who love us and bad for people who love us. The, the, the powerful freedom we call free will to make good choices or bad choices. And, and with that power comes is danger. And, and the test of our character is the willingness to say, uh, nevertheless, I have the power to make this decision. I have free will, but I humbly and meekly surrender myself to the will of the Father because I know He, is, I know he knows what's best. And so meekness is not just about people. It's not just about the, the ability to... To harm others and not doing it, it's, it's a humility, a surrender before God. Meekness. Meekness looks like Jesus. A moment ago, Miss Shelley quoted Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Jesus said, learn from me, for I am praos. That same word. Jesus said, I am tame. I am the Lion of Judah who chooses to humbly become part of the messiness of humanity. He could have come riding into human history on a, in a parade of, of stars, of shooting stars, announced by, the, by angelic trumpets. But instead, he came meekly into the world via the womb of a virgin and a, a sheep stall. When he walked the earth, he could have demanded all the respect that he deserved, but instead he slept where he could and ate what was offered and taught who would listen. 
And the day his meekness was on most clear display was the day he died. When he didn't yell back at at the, the crowd who heckled him, and he didn't strike back at the soldiers who beat him, and when he kept his cool with the saliva of Roman rednecks running down his face, and he, and he stretched out his hands and died silently, lovingly, willingly, meekly. The Lion of Judah nailed to a cross, meek, because meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. Paul and Sharon Bowers are missionaries in Papua New Guinea. They have family in our church, and it's an honor for us to be a a small part of their extended uh, support network. They do the work of uh, Bible translation. They're part of a team that, that translates the Bible in Papua New Guinea. One of the languages is uh, Kasua, K-A-S-U-A. I know all this because in one of their newsletters, they included an article by one of their team members about the Kasua language and translation into the Bible in the Kasua language. Now, in the article, it says that every animal, every four-legged animal in the Kasua culture Well, let me back up. That the pig is really important in the Kasua culture. And I don't know why, but I Googled it, and it says it on the Google, so I know it's true. That the pig in Kasua culture is really important. So in the Kasua language, every four-legged animal is called a pig something. So you have a pig dog, and you have a pig cow, and you have a pig horse, and you have a pig camel, or... Not that you, many of us have camels at home, but you have a pig, you know. So there, it's pig this and pig that. And so, in translating the Bible, when they got to John 1, 29, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So in their first draft, they, they wrote, John said, Behold, uh, the pig sheep who takes away the ends uh, or the sins of the world. And then one of their team members began to think about how pigs and sheep face death. So if you're leading a pig to death, uh, uh, the pig will squeal like a, well, like a pig, right? They squeal. Not so with the sheep. The sheep will let you lead the sheep silently to its slaughter. And that member of the team remembered Isaiah 53, seven centuries before Jesus, speaking of the Messiah, Jesus himself, and said he was led like a lamb to its slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, He opened not his mouth. And the team member began to think that, you know, calling the Messiah the the pig sheep just just doesn't fit. And so in the Kasua language, John 1.29 reads, Behold, the sheep animal 
who takes away the sins of the world. We have, we have power in relationships, and sometimes we misuse that power. We have the power of free will, and sometimes we, we take advantage of that. But Jesus said, learn from me. I am praos. I am tame. I am the Lion of Judah sitting at your feet. And so, because you and I are sinners by nature and by choice, willingly and silently and meekly, he, he took upon himself our sins and died. So that if we would place our hope and our trust in him for this world and the next, we would live life at its best and life that never ends. Learn from me, Jesus said, I am meek and remember. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation, 493 is that hymn. This morning we had the great honor of two baptisms, one uh, from a, a young man in the ninth grade and another from a, a lady like me who hasn't seen the ninth grade in a while. And it was a great honor to see them. Maybe you're ready to go public with your faith to be baptized, or maybe you're ready to become a part of our church. We'd welcome you with open arms. Some of us are going to be down here at the front, and we will welcome you if you'll just come to where we are while the others are singing. 493, let's stand, please.